0: and gentlemen boys and girls dozens of all ages it is episode something of one day closer to dead i am dave beaudry and i am jason bailey and uh jason i want to say this is like 113 i think lucky lucky number 13 with 100 behind it so uh how you doing how's your halloween
1: it was okay i was uh working you know uh well that sounds sterling it, it is my life. I'm always at the salt mines. It, it, there's no fucking escape. But James did very well. Um, he uh, dressed up like some sort of—I don't even know what you call. It's it like an ni- electric ninja. I, I don't even know what it is. It was a ninja outfit, but it had lighting apparatus all through it to look like electricity was going through him, his body, and shit. And I mean, it's—it uh, was really a, an awesome costume. Quick, um, quick question. Yeah. Are, are ninjas
0: not supposed to typically uh, involve the art of invisibility, in which case hooking up a bunch of lights to their suit is kind of counterproductive to that end?
1: Well, you know, James is a lot like his dad. He's that loud, mysterious. Uh, so it, it is one of those things. He's got to be seen. He's got to be him. He's got to put his spin on it. And what's, Fair even, enough. What's, even, what's even crazier is young master James, he, uh, he doesn't like chocolate. So What? No, he hates it. He absolutely does. He's not like his Uncle Dave. He does not like chocolate. So I don't know exactly. I think it's just he likes dressing up in the costume, going to the door people, and and getting swag. But he doesn't like chocolate. So it's always good for his daddy because I get all the chocolate. You know what I mean? I love chocolate. Send it to me, goddammit. Yeah, I know. You live off chocolate and hot wings. So, I mean, the thing is- In a perfect world. (laughs) in dave's world this is what fuels the animal uh but it it that's what happened on halloween uh but he had a good time and and that's all that really really matters so yay i uh
0: jamie and i saw ghostbusters in the original in uh in theaters it was in for one night for for halloween so that was very enjoyable it's my second time seeing it in a theater i believe it was the I want to say it was a 25th anniversary or whatever. I don't want to do the math in my head. Uh, a few you know years ago, and I saw it with a couple of friends. Then for the first time in a movie theater, and uh, always, always a very cool, uh, cool experience. And and I'm definitely, I'm super psyched. We talked about this before, but it, it got me even more hyped for Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out
1: later this month. Absolutely. After a year delay, Stranger Things the movie. Enjoy. I'll tell you a movie. Oh, fuck I'm, off. I'm telling you a movie I'm gonna enjoy, Dave. Is Rocky training versus, day Rocky versus Drago coming out in about a week from now? Holy shit, I'm gonna be there in the Fandango wonderful release of Stallone's recut Rocky Four. I cannot wait, one night only. It's gonna be good times. I'm all about it, so uh, I'll give you my review when that goes down. I was the one that told you about that, wasn't I? Or do you already know about it? I knew about it, but you were the one that was more hyped about it than I was. And so I've started watching it. And I still don't think it's... I, I'm not sure it's going to be the greatest thing in the world. I'm not about it fascinating
0: cuts. if nothing else. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it'll be fascinating if nothing else. But I want to see the uncut scenes. I want to see... And there's just no way you could stop Jason Bailey... At all from seeing Apollo Creed dance around to James Brown on the big screen this is this opportunity is just not going to come and go without me fucking being there so it, it is what it is uh, but yeah I'm looking forward to that you bringing up um, stranger things the movie coming out I just want to put oh, my, fuck uh, you. I just want to put my spin on the movie that I'm really excited to see.
0: Well, I'm with you there. I'm hoping to be there as well. Yeah. I have not uh, pre-purchased tickets because, you know, especially in this industry, schedules change rapidly. Yep. But uh, I am all about the Rocky Four Director's Cut. Uh, I will be probably I would be like a day one Blu-ray purchase if if uh, that comes to pass. And uh, I'm actually one of the things I'm most curious about. And you and I talked about this, I think, on air when it was first announced or when we you know first discussed it. Is I am fascinated to see how they handle the music. And mm-hmm. like I haven't really heard what they did as far as scoring the new stuff or how they went about that or well, who they
1: got for it or like I I'm curious to see how all that cuts together from from the because I've been all over the internet just like trying to piece together you know little things here and there and Stallone's
0: um, been posting a bunch of stuff on Instagram which I know yeah. you're not a huge fan of but that's a spot to check if you're looking for for dirt
1: he's also you know there's also a lot on YouTube there really is from yeah. different different uh, channels and uh they've done different trailers they've done some clips that are out some extended scene stuff and um like i said i'm not a big fan of director cut anything i usually i i walk away disappointed going nah the the, the theatrical cut was the correct edited version of that film with <clears> the exception <throat> of the expendables but yeah And that's what you and I kind of disagree on that. I
0: think there's no, you're just wrong. That's fine.
1: No, no, I mean, just as much as you're looking forward to this, uh, this abortion known as Ghostbusters, uh, what's it called? Revival, Retribution. See, now you're you're just Whatever the fuck. Oh, I'm so sorry. But I'm not a big fan of it. Um, a lot of the the director's cuts, but I am uh, interested. It's more interesting to see. Uh, you know the footage we never saw before of different different uh, Rocky moments. Uh, I love Taya Shire, so any any more I can get from her, you know, in, in these scenes is going to be fantastic. So looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, you talking about Ghostbusters got me thinking about what I'm getting ready to do in about a week. And for a lot of you listeners out there, I know Omar listens to us, and he would hound me constantly for my goddamn Rocky Four. 4- dvd when we work together in in la so uh yeah he's i hope he's gonna be there that night too but uh should be a good time and like i said look it up fandango rocky four it's already broke their own uh record for ticket sales for any fandango movie of all time so uh should be a should be a happening as gorilla monsoon would say um, do you have any idea? Because I had
0: heard it had broken the record as well, but I don't know what movie previously held that record. Do you have any idea?
1: I have no idea. I didn't look that up.
0: Okay. Uh quick side note, and this is just strictly a curiosity question, because you're, you know, certainly I would say a bit of a cinephile, Jason, minus a few blinding uh, uh, blank spots, i.e., Training Day. But uh, in regards to director's cuts, uh, you know, you and I have talked on air before about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Apocalypse Now, we've talked a little bit about, and then we've also talked about, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Blade Runner. Um Alien has several different versions of it. I don't know if that's one you've really ever paid attention to, as well as Aliens. And apparently there's even an alternate version of Alien 3, which I haven't seen. So I was just curious, just off the top of my head, if you have seen or have opinions of those versions.
1: Yeah, I know. I've seen both of them, and I still prefer the original uh, theatrical cut. I, I'm trying to... I thought you were going across, to cross. I'm sorry. Across the board, across the board on all of it. I okay. was trying to actually think if there was one that I, I could point to and go, well, holy shit. That was, that was way better. And I'm sure there, there is something out there. I just can't off the top of my hand, head, uh, 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 remember, you know, to tell you the truth, because so much of like, like, okay. Like apocalypse now redo. Um, it's just, no, the, the, the theatrical cut is far superior than it um the star wars special edition which i know is an easy it's low-hanging fruit here uh but sure. that's that's not any better uh richard donner who i fucking love richard donner's superman 2 no not better than the co-directed richard donner richard lester uh theatrical cut um, that one was more <clears throat>
0: experimental because it, a lot of the footage was unfinished and stuff yeah but I, I hear what you're saying yeah, yeah. It wasn't the-
1: wasn't better uh, i mean I just don't know I mean maybe this is a maybe. Ah, no no that's not even it. I, I mean I just don't know of one. The I extended
0: the extended version of Terminator 2 I thought was interesting but I don't think there was anything included in it that was vital.
1: No, um, no, no. So no, I would, put, no. in terms of quality, I would say they're probably maybe even about equal. The the only thing the uh, there is only one, and this is where you and I very much differ because we've talked about this before. So I don't want to get into. I really don't want to get into a tit for tat for you. This is just my opinion. Is that I love Blade Runner, okay? But it's a very specific version of Blade Runner, and it is the right. d- the director's yeah. cut of Blade Runner. So that would be the only fucking one. And that's Ridley Scott's real vision of what he wanted that fucking film to be. The one that was theatrical released was the producers taking back control from Ridley Scott going, fuck you, we're over budget. It doesn't make sense. Nobody likes this film, including the goddamn star. We're going to do this to make it like, you know, logical so people understand it. But when it came out in 1992, uh, the director's cut, just by accident, Warner Brothers, uh, some fucking peon in the warner brothers archive library system vault thing found this cut they were just by just a lark released it on dvd and holy shit people went fucking nuts and we're like yeah ridley scott was correct this is a far far superior cut then when they did the final version and the this cut and that cut whatever the fuck um it was never as good, in my opinion, my opinion, uh, as the director's cut. So that would be like the only one, I guess, uh, other other than, well, that's the only one. Every other director's cut I've ever seen, it's it's interesting because you get to see scenes that you didn't get to see and a new way of looking at it. However, I've never walked away going, that's superior. That's a superior film. Not ever. One, la- one last
0: note and then we'll move on because this wasn't something you and I planned on talking no. about because we just kind of call shit as we go along. But uh, Stallone, to my knowledge, has done three <laughs> director's cuts, including Rocky Four that's coming up. He did the one of the Expendables, which you and I have talked about before. He did one for the fourth Rambo film, which I have not seen the director's cut of. I have heard the director's cut is not as good as a theatrical version, like as a general consensus. I'm not overly familiar with what changes were made in the that director's cut version. I just know that it exists. And then this is, you know, the third one. So, you know, you and I disagree on the um, Expendables first first movie, uh, theatrical versus director's cut. But if we, in in my mind, going from the public consensus of the Rambo director's cut, Rambo 4, um, that he's kind of one in one on the director's cut you know, uh, side, whereas for you, he'd probably be Owen too. So I, I am very curious to, uh, to see how his eye now, you know, uh, changes things for better or worse compared to, you know, 1985 and Rocky four is the first Rocky film I ever saw. So it's, it holds a, a sentimental uh, place for me as well.
1: It'll be very interesting. Some of the scoring that I've heard for the trailers and, and some of the scenes, you know, obvious. I don't. I don't know much about it because there is a part of me that wants to walk in surprised and just Same. soak yeah. it in. Yeah, and I, I can tell that they've taken Rocky themes of the past and kind of redone it, like Eye of the Tiger and things of this nature, yeah. in an or, orchestral uh, version uh, kind of thing. And I also saw that with trailers of the new, the upcoming Ghostbusters film too. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see to see what happens and if I walk out and go that fucking sucked that's okay because I'm really not going in there to to be more impressed with a childhood love affair with a film uh, I'm not looking for that to be replaced I'm just looking to see what what do you have to offer now that I haven't seen before you know
0: Well the the big surprise is going to be that Apollo wins the fight with Drago
1: If that happens I am going <laughs> to strip naked run around Dance, fucking throw Coca Cola all over my body, throw popcorn in the air. I'll be, you'll have to get, you'll have to make bail because I'll go crazy. I'll go fucking Sly, crazy. Sly, if
0: you, Sly, if you are listening, I hope you're hearing this, and you've got a week to make this happen. To dig through that footage and somehow find a way for Apollo if, to win that fight, Apollo just so that we can Creed, witness this.
1: If Apollo Creed doesn't die, he wins. Then he goes to Russia and takes over the USSR and gives the people their freedom back. And it ends with Apollo Creed as like the Emperor of Russia. that's a far greater film i think that's how that film should have gone quite frankly uh if there's any director's cuts that we need to talk about or you need to have us put a magnifying glass on you can always reach us at our wonderful email address that actually fucking works known as ask dave and jason at protonmail.com because well god damn it fuck you dr cosby
0: 100 percent do we have any
1: feedback to go over jason before we move on now to business yeah just really quick uh we but well, we had a lot of feedback so i can't get into all of it but some of the most important stuff and and, and very prevalent is a lot of you really did enjoy uh our discussion about a horrendous situation from last week with the, with the uh the rust uh production tragedy that occurred many of you liked hearing from two actual people who have been on sets with prop uh, firearms and how that is conducted um, Dave you'll you'll be uh, very happy to know that many of them were extremely uh, satisfied more with us than they were the talking heads on television but have never been on a film set and us explaining a lot of the procedures that armors go through and actors go through when they're dealing uh, with, with uh, prop uh, firearms on set. So uh, I'm glad, and thank you for reaching out to us. And I'm glad that we could offer maybe a little different viewpoint uh, than what you're hearing uh, on the, your other radio or our podcast, or, or maybe the television or you're reading in the newspaper. But you're talking to, you know, when you're listening to us, you're listening to two people that really have been on sets uh, with, with these these items. So I'm glad that, that all uh, scratched your itch on that one. However, a lot of you have started to chime in uh, with not just something that occurred either yesterday or early this morning today, but a lot of you were tell, saying that you do believe that there could very possibly have been some sort of sabotage, fuck you to the production, uh, because it was so shitty to the actual crew of of uh, Rust, or at least it's being reported as such. And before they walked off the set, that possibly a very malicious saboteur uh, could have put live rounds in these prop guns that were not checked just to cause mayhem okay we sort of half-ass covered that last week but we didn't half-ass cover it but we did cover it and Dave uh, came out uh, very strongly against it saying no we know that there were actual you know uh, bullets on the set they know that they were playing fucking around with it as a little you know past the time which of course we we covered that that is absolutely a no-go in in the industry Um, however Today or yesterday, I don't know, uh, the lawyers of the Armorer actually came out and started this theory that it very well may have been a sabotage. that somebody just disgruntled um crew member before they left the set, not giving a fuck where this bullet ended up, uh, loaded up a, a couple bullets in, in, a, in a prop gun just to, you know, joker it up and, see what merriment would 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 uh, prevail. And um I thought two things. First of all I thought, boy our listeners are they're ahead they're they're ahead of the ball on this one because this is they already started theorizing this as a conspiracy theory right at the beginning. I mean, the first day it fucking happened. But number 2 what I also thought was even if that's not accurate, like even if that didn't happen, as a lawyer, that's pretty fucking good. As far as some, get some disinformation out there, you can't really put blame on our client or really anybody because there was a lot of disgruntled motherfuckers out there that that, that might have just sabotaged it, so uh, look the other way. Anyway, well, that was very interesting feedback we got, but we have started receiving droves of it, and that uh, little article started popping up uh, on my radar uh, either late last night or early this morning.
0: Well, what's funny is when you sent me a link about it. It literally was—I was in the car, and it was literally as I was hearing about it on the radio. They were—I forget if they were playing an audio clip of it or talking about it a little bit, but it was as I was first hearing that about the the lawyers cover your ass tour um, that that you sent me the the link about it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I dis—I—I I understand what the lawyers are trying to do. I disagree that it's you know a slick defense because. If the armorer, uh, hannah gutierrez reed because i do think she needs to be mentioned by name was doing her fucking job properly it would not have goddamn mattered if someone had attempted to sabotage one of the weapons so by even floating that as a theory they are acknowledging that their fucking client was ignorant in their job performance and should never have been on that goddamn set in that capacity to begin with because if she had been doing her fucking job then even if Somebody tried to sabotage the weapon unless it was Alec Baldwin himself, because he would have been the last one in possession. And then if, if he was crazy or had a beef or something and then decided to like, he would be the only person in that chain of custody that would be able to put a round in without the armor possibly knowing about it. And, I mean, that's, of course, absurd. So the fact that they're even trying to float that as a theory, to me, shows that they have absolutely no justifiable defense. And, um, you know, I hope uh, Gutierrez-Reed never works in the in the industry again. And as I said, I don't know what the laws are specific to to New Mexico. I'm not an attorney. I I, I can't speak about criminal liability. Um. But I do think she is one of the major people, not the only one, but she's one of the major people who should be held accountable for it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. If the systems are in place, it doesn't even matter if you walk up and go, you know what, we're going to fuck with them today. Ha 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 ha. No, if the armor is doing their job correctly, um, what occurred will not occur. So I get that. But it is interesting that so many people had thought about it at the beginning, and now the lawyer's like, hey, that's not bad that's a good cover your ass uh, situation over there so i just thought yeah that's that's worth mentioning because many of you have mentioned it so there we are i think
0: i think the fact that the the attorney jason Bowles went on the today show to try to float this i think it just totally reeks of desperation in trying to to flip the narrative and uh you know it's what we talked about when this first happened is you know there's a lot of people that are going into cover your ass mode that are are solely interested in um, denying their own culpability as opposed to actually preventing this type of thing from ever occurring again.
1: Did you see the um, uh, footage, I guess, taken on somebody's, I don't know if there was a, or actually it looked like it might have been just iPhone footage of Alec Baldwin and his wife getting out of the car. And uh tell basically doing an on on the road press conference with these two or three photographers that have been following them around for days on end, just giving them some soundbite so they would leave them the fuck alone. Did you see any of that, Dave?
0: I heard clips of it on the radio. So I didn't see the actual video, but Mm -hmm. I heard some of the audio. And it's just like, oh, I understand what you're trying to do,
1: Alec, but you need to stop talking. (laughs) The thing is with Alec Baldwin is this is just a pattern in this man's life. Not shooting people, but this sort of just emotional going against the photographer the paparazzi the whoever and and it was so bizarre that his emotions got the best of him and of course it was you know he's saying his children are in the car and they're tired of being you know they're they're scared and they're crying and i I don't blame him for that i get that but boy he he started going to business for himself and his even his wife was like trying to shut him the fuck up and he's like piping her the fuck down on camera. And I w- the whole time I was thinking, who are your fucking handler's son? No, get back in your fucking car. It's just amazing that Alec Baldwin is so emotional. He can be rattled. He can be with just oh, yeah. follow around. I mean, he's had anger He's had anger management issues for years. Uh, that's just, not uh, that's no. not
0: late breaking news.
1: But I mean, just in this situation when you know it matters the most, just put up with the fucking cameramen following you and shut the fuck up. That's all I was thinking. I'm like, oh my God. Again, with the Alec Baldwin emotions, just stay in your car, Alec. But at any rate, it was a very just bizarre, once again, serialistic scenes in the the life that is Alec Baldwin. So there we go. I just was wondering what you guys thought out there about it. But uh, on my part, uh, you know, I like the guy and I'm just like, Shut the fuck up. Listen to your little cute wife. Get back in the fucking car. Don't give out any particulars. I mean, now nah, he was he was large and in charge and going to do an on-road. on, on road. I mean, they should just set up a podium for him so he could have done it right. But it just, I, I don't think it went well. And I don't think he should have been out there in the middle of the road uh, saying this stuff that probably should have been better said on, I don't know, Oprah. I, I don't know. Just not a roadside thing, but whatever. Anything further to go into before we
0: start breaking down the business of the week, Jason? No,
1: that's it. I think uh, we've covered enough of that dumpster fire. It's uh, time to get into a, to- a toastier one. Well, the world is a dumpster fire, Jason. I don't know if you knew
0: that. Did I, you know that, Vanilla Godzilla? I did, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you know why? It truly fucking is. Wow. That's yeah. that's that's amazing. You're a very well-read, educated man. Um. So there is a story, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, I believe this was sent to us, am I correct? It has been sent to us,
1: yes. Okay.
0: Uh, So we have talked at length in the past. Uh, One, which was a title I was kind of proud of, was uh, basically Flight, Fighter Fuck It uh, episode, was I believe the title, and we were talking about, at the time it was a big story where a lady had been attacked, physically assaulted in New York. And there had been a security guard, I believe it was in, I forget if it was an apartment or a hotel, where he just basically locked the door and, you know, didn't get involved and, you know, people were filming this lady getting beaten with no one actually coming to help her. Now, that's not a new phenomenon, but that was what prompted that discussion at that time. We got a lot of feedback at that time about, you know, people's opinions on what their own accountability or responsibility should be in those types of situations. I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Well, there's another situation that has arisen, Jason, where this has come up again and possibly even more unfortunately you know dramatic or traumatic than um than the previous one in new york so i'll uh let you go into the particulars on that then we'll we'll break <clears throat> it down
1: yeah we we talked about it, in this episode uh fight flight or fuck it. And it was all it was that situation. But the the reason that it was prompted to speak about this uh, is because of a situation I went through in the restaurant uh, where I actually had to uh, exert myself physically, exert myself to take somebody out of the restaurant that was misbehaving uh, radically. And my to <laughs> say to say the least to say, the, to least, say yes. the least and and my amazement. I, I know this sounds weird, but that's not really the point. That wasn't the point of my, I guess.
0: We're not chest beating. We're having a no, discussion was, about intellectual mechanism or psychological mechanism.
1: Yeah, like it wasn't an anger thing towards this gentleman. Uh, it was more a disbelief. A sense of
0: responsibility?
1: It, it was more a disbelief and outrage to everyone around me. to yeah. To the non-action of just about 50 people around me who did nothing and what's interesting about this um, episode it's been one of these I guess what we call evergreen episodes that keeps getting played again and again because I think the topic that we're talking about is just sort of all around us all the time. Uh, it wasn't a political episode or, or anything like that. And we have received bits and pieces of feedback from that episode ever since we we aired it. People have sent articles. Uh, immediately, within a week or two, people started sending psychological uh articles and studies called fight flight or freeze where they're like it is true what you said the fuck it part that you guys so I like, eloquently put
0: i like I our title better <laughs> i like
1: our title better but there is actually a fight flight or freeze and they're saying that our society is choosing freeze more and more than the other two that it's Quick also question? yeah
0: um, I'm bad on remembering timelines. Do you remember how long ago or, or roughly when we did that episode? It was earlier this year. Yeah, I, I would
1: I would have to say that this took place. I'm thinking like in July, maybe. Okay. I I mean it was Ish. it was months yeah. ago. Yeah, I would say that it was it was July if I had to pick, give or take a month. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so the thing is, we've been getting all these people, and it's a very visceral fucking episode. And I never expected that episode to get that kind of, it's almost like our death episode. It always gets played. It's always ranking. And I think it's because people are like, I want to talk about death or I want to hear about it because it happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to everybody. Well, the fight, flight or fuck it. It happens to everybody. As I said in that episode I know for a fact, multiple times in your lives, every listener out there right now is going to come into a situation where they are going to have to either defend themselves physically, or step in to defend someone else, or you should step in to 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 defend somebody else. Okay. And- side
0: note to that. Side note to that as well. Um, people also sometimes publicly have uh, drastically potentially overestimated their own, um, ability or intention to do such things. I remember Mark Wahlberg stepped in it after nine 11 Mm -hmm. saying like, well, if I'd been on one of those planes, like they never would have gotten blah, 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 blah. I think Jericho even made a a comment similar to that. It's like, you know, guys, if, if, you know, we're, you and I are talking in the, in the general about people's responsibility and and, in a hyper specific situation like that, where a bunch of people were dead, like kind of don't, try to put yourself in it and be like well i would have been the hero of that situation like it was really just groan inducing i believe Wahlberg apologized afterwards i'm not sure about jericho but anyway side note that just popped into my yeah, head Continue no it's
1: say. a lot of people do think that until they're involved. until it happens <clears throat> yeah um the the issue with that episode and why it's so prevalent i guess to our podcast is like i said women and men you know have contacted us and said Multiple different things on that. Uh, Julian King actually sent a book to me describing what happened as a leadership profile. Like, they're just really cool, I guess, dialogue with the dozens, okay? Um, And so what happened is one of our listeners uh, sent us this article and I'm going to read part of it just so there's the who, what, why, when, where kind of, kind of thing for us to divulge. But it's sort- this is
0: a very specific incident that up until Jason, you sent this to me earlier today. I had, I'm surprised. I had not heard of this yet.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that was also some of the outrage that we, we, we might get into as well. Um, but at any rate uh, it was sent to us and it was it was sent in, in a context of two podcasts kind of coming together, but in the spirit of fight, flight or fuck it, which has never been forgotten by you guys. It really hasn't. Uh, this is what was sent to us. So I'm going to read uh, part of this article. I'm not a big fan of this, but I thought that it was important uh, for this conversation. Uh, There are now, you can find it when you research this, it's on multiple different sites, but I'm going to read from the one that was specifically sent to us. It's from uh, the website insider.com and the, the headline is experts explain the possible and uncomfortable reasons why train riders did not intervene when a woman was raped on public transportation near Philadelphia. And here we go. The rape of a woman on public transportation near Philadelphia last week has sparked national outrage and indignation, not only towards the person charged with the crime, but towards the multiple passengers who witnessed the assault and did not intervene. Surveillance footage from the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority uh, train on the evening of October 13th shows a man boarding the westbound train and sitting next to the unnamed woman. Moments later, The perpetrator began to touch her and grab her breasts, according to the charging uh, documents. He then proceeded to rip her clothes off and sexually assault her. Several fellow passengers looked on during the eight-minute attack. Let me kindly repeat that. Eight-minute attack. Police officials said this week, uh, which was finally stopped after an off-duty female train employee called 911. The witness's lack of action has drawn sharp criticism, uh, particularly from Timothy Bernhardt, this is the superintendent of the uh, Township Police Department of Darby, who said he was appalled by their apparent apathy. He quotes here, this is him, he, I quote, I don't know where we are in a society that people can't help other people out in a time of need. And he told this to the uh, Washington Post. But two experts in bystander intervention I did not know this was a thing, uh, said the reasons behind the people's inaction are almost always more nuanced than pure indifference. And the rest of the article goes into uh, all the reasons uh, why we should be okay with these people or at least understand why these fuckers did not step in and do anything during an eight minute Raping of a woman. So that's what was sent to us with a lengthy letter, which I cannot read. The letter is a very, very um, passionate, and it is from a female listener, and um, saying that she, basically what the guy said, she just doesn't fucking understand. What has happened to our society, nor does she care about the bullshit that uh, all these experts say, why bystanders didn 't do anything, and why, in our pussy whoop demolition man society, we should be okay with the fact that people aren 't okay with stepping in uh, to stop a raping um,
0: also a uh, quick note on that I know you 'll go into this as well, Jason, but uh you know you talked about the the alternate uh, title of fight, flight, or freeze, freeze only really makes sense in the initial reaction to something. You know, like I I understand, especially if someone has not been confronted with a violent situation before and all of a sudden this thing is happening in front of them, like it's, you know, five or 10 seconds or whatever, and it happens so quickly and they don't know what to do. They freeze in that moment. I understand that. This went on for eight minutes. There is no such thing as an eight-minute freeze response. That does not fucking
1: exist. That is not a response. That is a choice. Continue, please. Some of the uh, Demolition Man psychologists here uh, say that there's a four-step process uh, that these bystanders uh, need to go through to be better prepared next time. If they ever witness an eight-minute rape again and don't do anything, the first one is notice the event. So they were, I guess, supposed to notice that a woman was being uh, sexually assaulted in front of them. Number two... Well, I, th- I think that's a big check. Moving on. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we got to, you know, Dave, let's, let's calm down. I mean, let's get through all the steps. Who knows what these guys went if, through? I mean... If someone didn't see it, I'm not going to blame them. But unless they are blind, I don't believe this to be the case. They might have problems with eyesight. Number two assess whether it is a problem so i mean dave we they needed all the bystanders they just need to assess is is the man who's trying to shove his cock in this woman and she doesn't want it it, 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 is this a problem i i i I don't know number three feel responsibility for dealing with it Uh, and that is the big one isn't it i guess so but wait there's more. And the fourth and last step, these uh, wonderful uh, Dr. Cocteau people said, have the skills to act. Have the skills to act. Now, I think we need to talk about the fourth one. The skills to act, As uh, and I had talked about it in Fight, Flight, or Fuck It uh, very well. Yeah, we,
0: we both did, I think.
1: is, is and, that, and in the follow-ups,
0: even in subsequent weeks when we got feedback on it.
1: Absolutely. Now... Yes, I was out there in my complete toxic masculinity form yelling at men uh, to learn some sort of martial art, physical awareness in a combat situation type thing. But let's just put that aside. Let's put the toxic masculinity Jason away. Just picking up your phone, which we all have, and we're all on all day playing Candy Crush or whatever the new fucking Piece of shit thing is that you all do out there on your goddamn cell phones. And just, you know, calling 911 or the police or doing something, something, throwing the phone at the motherfucker's head who's raping the woman, you know, anything. Here's where it gets interesting. Last week, we were talking about something. Let me see if I can even get it right. It was so inconsequential. It was. Things that don't really, uh, the nostalgia doesn't work for us anymore. Childhood things that we, it's not really working. Films are shit that we don't really care to watch anymore because it doesn't work. And for what- the it, Childhood is dead, Jason. I don't know if you knew that. I certainly oh, did. Oh, sorry. Yeah, was, we, we, we jumped the gun. <laughs> jumped jump the gun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Going, going back to the dumpster fire. Back in the dumpster fire. We're not out yet. Is that I actually said something about I don't enjoy watching rape. And it seems to be- Everywhere. It seems to be in drama. It seems to be in action films. There just seems to be a lot of fucking rape. I mean, there's so much rapetainment in America. I don't know how to get away from it. It's like all roads to entertainment of any kind of drama or action lead to rape. So I've never been a. There's
0: one example. I've never been a, a Game of Thrones watcher. Just fantasy stuff just typically doesn't doesn't speak to me as much as like say sci-fi or, or other genres. But a very close friend of mine was a big Game of Thrones fan, and I know I don't know if, if she ended up stopping watching it, but she almost did several times because. Game of Thrones was a very rape-happy show. Like, it happened a lot as a plot device, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm aware she was not alone in that feeling. I saw, you know, after she and I had talked about it, I saw, like, you know, articles spring up of, of um, you know, TV critics uh, voicing the same same concerns. And that, I mean, you don't get bigger than Game of Thrones. No. So that is an example of that in recent discourse.
1: One of the things that uh, our wonderful uh, listener uh actually sent to us with this article was this is a little question
0: are you purposely
1: withholding the name? I am just because of the okay. subject. Doesn't matter. Cool. I just wanna that they, they'll know no problem. they'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, just checking. She writes in a you know the very lengthy letter she writes, topping off what you said about on screen rape in film slash Netflix series in the past handful of years. Unfortunately It is normalized. And if a behavior is normalized, we're less likely to see it as problematic or think I should intervene. And this, she is quoting from one of the experts inside the last insider.com article that I read. But she's like, that matches up exactly with what we're saying is that when rape becomes part of the fabric of Americana entertainment, and I believe it has, not just on Pornhub, folks. It's also HBO Max and Netflix. You can watch rape all day long. For the kids. Something for the kids. Anyway, when it becomes that fucking normalized, I guess people become desensitized in the real tangible world when they're seeing it on some level. That still does not excuse what the fuck happened. Now, I must give a disclaimer. I must tell you, I sort of shit test a little bit of our audience. When I received this article, I sent it out to several of our listeners female and male. I wrote to them saying, hey, this article was sent to us by a listener and just talking about both the fight, flight, or fuck it, also kind of combined with the desensitization of, you know, rape in our society. Just to see what the fuck happened. I was, you know, just throwing out an experiment out there. Dave, the most interesting fucking thing happened. And for any male listener out there that I sent this article to, you might just want to stop the fucking program. For the first time ever in the history. Never tell them that. No, in the history of one day closer to dead, either stop listening or turn it off. I'd like to see what happens to the, the statistics on this. Every female that received this, who did not know that I would bring this up later on, was fucking outraged by the fact that they had never heard about this story, then they went out and investigated it on their own and was like, what the fuck? Why didn't this get more coverage than it fucking got? And what the hell kind of society are we raising our kids in? If the women had kids, particularly daughters, they were even more fucking incensed and basically saying, I'm going to have to teach my daughter how to kick everyone's ass apparently because this is the kind of fucking world we live in. It's really Mad Max for women, but demolition, man, for the men. Now, all the people with penises out there that I sent this to, almost down the fucking line, responded being thinking that they were being somehow personally pulled out of a line that they were pussies. Didn't say that to these men. Some of them are close friends. I sent it just to see what they would say. They could have just responded with, golly gee, that's horrible, or nothing at all. But what we received, Dave, was, it's very interesting, and I'm glad that they finally stood up for people who are bystanders who don't react, because there's real reasons why we don't react. Then... Then it went into Dave and you are exceptional because never brought up what I would fucking do. Never brought up what you would fucking do in this situation, Dave. But it goes to show our listeners personalize this subject real fucking close. Real close. It's fucking almost like close. the not
0: all, it's almost like the not all men defense, which I always hate and, whenever these types of things come up.
1: And the thing is that they, they came out with you have been in physical altercations before. You have confidence in your abilities, therefore you are the ones that react in an aggressive, proactive uh, way to this. Other people do not, and what they mean is them. Okay. So before I hand it back, I to have you,
0: a specific. I have a specific comment to that. I will. I'm just putting that
1: little note on it so I can come back to that. Yes. So for all the women that I sent this out there to, a uh, kudos, and you're fucking right. You're fucking right. Females, women, wonder women out there, uh, do not expect men to stand up or help you in any situation. You want to know why? Because apparently either the testosterone has dropped so fucking low or they just don't feel that they should be physically in any harm's way to protect you in any fucking way any further. Now, I know this is a hard fact, but it's true. Women, you're fucked. You have got to be three times stronger than a man now, physically, emotionally, and mentally than men. And for men out there, I don't fucking get you. I don't get our listeners who are male, most of you. I don't fucking get it. I don't know how you can sit there and play video game after video game where you shoot people, beat the fuck out of people, invade things, I don't, all this crazy, toxic, masculinity, violent, hardcore shit you do, but if your mother was being raped in front of you, couldn't even kick the person in the head, stand between, maybe take a knife or a fucking bullet. What's wrong with that? Do you want to live forever? Not to sound like Rico, but come on apes, it's time to get fucking busy. There is a point in time where your life matters less than what is fucking happening. And I have to say it again. And for all you listeners out there, you know who the fuck I'm talking to. So if you don't like listening to this, shut it the fuck down. But I did not send these articles to, and I said to about 10 of you men out there, I did not send it to you for you guys to say, well, you and Dave are different. You're badasses. No, I just want to see what your take on somebody being raped for eight minutes without anyone standing up for that that victim, how, what you thought of this article, it sure as shit was different than the females that fucking listened to it. And I'm telling you, we're getting into a society and how many fucking, the timekeeper, all these fucking people that, 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 that email us saying, man, there's going to be violence. There's going to be violence. There's going to be violence. Bitches, I know there's going to be goddamn violence. Maybe you, maybe you should get the goddamn wake up call that there's going to be fucking violence. All, the entire goddamn country is turning into Gotham City. And you want to sit there for these Dr. Cocteau psychologists saying, Not well, the R.
0: Kelly version either, just to be clear.
1: Well, golly gee whiz, I mean, you know, what are we supposed to do? We, we you know, we don't, we have to recognize there's a problem. And then I have to take out my manual and see if I'm supposed to kick someone in the head. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Let me just play my candy crush. What the flying fuck? What is going on? So I'm just going to reiterate this, that the person that sent this to me, um, I love you women out there because I know that, you, one time, uh, Joe Bacca said this, females are playing the game of life in hard mode. They really fucking are. And when you see something like this go down and nobody is doing anything, that's fucking crazy. I already fucking covered that, by the way. But what's even crazier is now, we have psychologists standing up for these people saying, well, we really need to look at them like victims too. Maybe we don't understand where... This entire train full of people we're coming from, get the fuck out of here. So if you have a daughter, women out there, please train them to be the most badass goddamn Matilda slash Wonder Woman slash I don't even fucking know. Train them to be badasses in every way, in business, in conversation, physical fitness, combat, the whole fucking thing, because they're going to need it. They're going to fucking need it, not just for a domestic violence situation, which crops up all the fucking time in this goddamn country, but apparently when they board a public train too, nobody's coming to save your sorry ass. Nobody. And for the guys out there, one last thing before I hand it off to Dave, because I know you got some stuff to say, Dave, is that I'm not trying to, what they what they say last time, self-defense shame them? I'm not not trying to say self-defense shame them because you wouldn't be self-defending. I'm just, I guess, man shaming you. I guess I'm masculine shaming you. I'm humanism shaming you. That a human being cannot step up for a weaker human being. And by the way, it just let's get rid of the politics. Let's get rid of all the bullshit here. Look at your fucking knuckles. See your bone density. What is a man designed to do that a woman is not Just biologically, we are more adept at fighting, at killing, at beating the shit out of things with our fucking hands and also taking a goddamn beating, okay? We certainly can't fucking provide breast milk for the young, but we can beat the fuck out of some motherfucker that's trying to rape your woman or any woman or any man, It's time for you to make a decision out there, men. Do you want to stay the way you are, playing your fucking video games, shooting up people that you don't even fucking know, thinking that that's a badass thing? Or would you maybe sort of kind of like to wake up every morning and go, if somebody is being victimized, I will step up and fucking stop it. Not victimized like, oh, they paid too much for their apricots or something, the grocery store. That's, uh, I mean, I'll stand up for that. But what I mean is in a physical violent way, you mark my motherfucking words. I'm talking to you, the man that's in the car right now listening to me. I am talking to you. You will be fucking required to stand up against some sort of physical violence. Are you just going to let someone whip your ass or a woman's ass or a kid's ass? I remember this is it, Dave. There is one last story I just want to say about Buddy Rogers. the Buddy Rogers, professional wrestler that Bruno took down for the championship, okay? The
0: original nature
1: boy. The original nature boy. In the last, sometime in the last five years of this motherfucker's life, he was on a cane. He would get up in the morning, walk the beach, go to his favorite diner, have a cup of coffee, and go back to his fucking house, okay? He could barely walk after decades long of being a premier professional wrestler. One time, a young man came up and started fucking with one of the waitresses at his beloved cafe, started getting fresh, touching her on the leg, getting underneath the skirt. Buddy got up, told him to stand up, and knocked his ass out. And he was in his fucking 60s on a cane. And sometimes, it doesn't matter how weak you think you are. You are going to be needed to stand up for somebody. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Uh, I have a point that I want
0: to go back to, but before I do, I will ask you a question. Uh, How old is James? I know this, but for the purpose of listeners, how old is James? He's seven years old. Seven years old. Uh, As a parent, what have you been teaching him on both sides of that equation? A, from the need of possible self-defense of the defense of others, and B, uh,
1: treatment of women moving forward in his life. There's, there's one thing that I preach very strong inside the House of Bailey, and it sounds cheesy as fuck, but I preach it. There's only really, in my opinion, two things that make a hero. A hero. Be good and be strong. That's it. Be good and be strong. Make the best decisions. Do the best you can every day for others and yourself and be strong. Physically, mentally, in every way, be strong. And then I asked James, I said, why are we strong? Is it for other people who are weak? That's right. And that's it. And everybody, I want him to go out in that world, no matter what happens, and remember those two things, be good, be strong. And you can be an old man in a fucking wheelchair and you can still be strong because it's ethics. I also teach him all the time. If there's anybody in his class is ostracized, he doesn't understand that word, but different being made fun of you go be that person's friend because they need you. They need you more than, you know, and you need them because they will teach you things that you don't know. And, If I can impart anything on my seven-year-old son, and I don't care if he's seven, he's 17, he's 77. I want him to walk around knowing that his dad taught him to be good and to be strong. And there are many different versions of both of those things. But when it comes to a situation like this, both of those were betrayed by anyone who witnessed that and didn't do a fucking thing. And And there has to be that part of you. Now, in a physical capacity... Uh, it's like, you know, Lucha Libre here every fucking day. So he knows multiple, you know, uh, uh, moves, holds, and, uh, uh top rope defenses. But that's a whole a lot other flying thing.
0: head scissors, Frankensteiners, he, all of that
1: kind of He knows it all. I could, I would be so proud if he moved to Mexico and became, you know, Nacho Libre. I, I can't wait. But the thing is that it's not just teaching your children how to physically, uh, take care of themselves. Okay. It's teaching them to stand up. For those who are weaker than you, and you have to be strong. The reason you work out every day, the reason you read, the reason you feel your spirit, soul, whatever the fuck that may mean to the listener on the other end of this goddamn thing is to be good, is to be a good person for other fucking people. Okay? That's it. That's it. And if you betray those two qualities in yourself, then what's the fucking point of being here? This article enraged me to such a fucking extent because i am seeing it in our society more and more and more and more where people have big old fucking balls, big fucking dick online, say big things. I would do this. This is what I'm going to do to you. But shut the fuck up. As all of you go into the metaverse and you disappear because none of you want to fucking work anyway, there's going to have to still be people in the tangible real world that get shit done and take care of others. And that's where we're at, Dave. It's it's a, I sound like a fucking you know, conservative here, but it's like a moral fucking lapse on so many levels. It bothers me so much. And I'm so glad this was sent to us by the listener. And for the women out there, <clears throat> I, I, I'm with you. I couldn't be more proud of the ones that said, I guarantee you, I'm going to make sure not only that my daughter takes care of herself, but also that they would stand up for somebody that would see this game done. It's more about the standing up for others than it is you. Because when you are a strong person, most motherfuckers don't put up, don't want to deal with you anyway. Even if they think they can fucking take you. It's really you needing to look out for the weak. And there are certain things that you're like, whatever. Motherfuckers should take care of themselves on that. But when it is this outrageous, This in your face, this fucking movie-esque theatrical, it's time for a hero, you should be listening to Bonnie Tyler screaming through the fucking PA system and get off your ass and if you got to take a bullet, a hit, a kick, whatever, some motherfucker need to stop that rape and guess what, some motherfucker was all y'all
0: point i'll go back to i'll start with a quote that i've always liked from mark twain i think i've actually said it on this program before is courage is resistance to fear mastery of fear not absence of fear and that's something i've always tried to personally live my life on but one thing i think in the feedback that you received jason that i think they they being those who responded got reversed was that for example and this isn't again i'm the the, This isn't about chest beating or any of that type of bullshit. You know, it, it's not the fact that myself or you or anyone else, you know, have these experiences and therefore are better equipped. And I mean, there's, there's, there's some of that of having experience to where you have knowledge you can more immediately rely on. I don't, I don't deny that, but they're getting it reversed. I didn't learn how to fight because uh, I needed a hobby. I learned how to fight out of necessity and out of a sense of responsibility to use the experiences that I had had in my life to therefore make sure that those experiences were not transferred on to others. Again, I'm not sucking off my own dick here. This is I. I just don't know how else to say it. I am forty-one years old. I have three degenerated discs in my neck. I've got five bulging discs in my back. Uh, I've had at least six concussions that I can think of. Uh, all the most of the ribs on my left side were broken. Um, all sorts of stuff in the spine. My nervous system is is shot to shit. Um, Most of this would have occurred probably before I could legally drive. It just catches up to you more now when you get older. Uh, So, you know, if something happened in front of me now, which something did a few years ago, um, you know, I, I was told in my 20s, like, look, you can't take any more concussive blows to the head. Like, that would be very bad. Potentially. Um, You know, if if shit went down in front of me at this moment, I don't know exactly how well I would or wouldn't hold up from a physical standpoint because I've got a lot of mileage. Um, That mileage comes at a a premium or a cost or price nevertheless, uh, you know, there was, there was a situation a few years ago. I was having lunch or dinner with some uh, friends of mine. We were out on a patio and at a restaurant in Encino and uh, long story short, there was a dude with a baseball bat. He had stolen the bat across the street from a, uh, a sporting goods shop was busting a bunch of windows with it. And he was approaching a park that had a bunch of, I shit you not like a bunch of kids at a playground. Um, Called nine one one, gave them the the info on it. Was watching that situation. Uh, if I didn't have friends there that were urging me not to, because they knew about the situation with my spine, I would have you know uh, tailed him more directly. Uh, with them there urging me not to take that direct in action, I was you know tailing him from across the street. If he had gone into the park, I had already made the decision like. All right, I don't know how this is going to go, but if he goes into the park with a bat, I'm going to go get him. Um, if he keeps going straight where there's nobody nobody there, then I'll just keep watching him until the cops get here. He took two steps into the park, and then he turned and he, he kept going straight. Um, I don't know how fucking... Well, I would or wouldn't have held up. I had a plan on how to disarm the bat, you know, using a, a tree as a barricade and, and stepping around it and all that. Like, you, it's true, that's not my first rodeo, but um, I think it's a mistake to assume that somehow having had experiences in the past somehow makes you immune to either a damage or be the understanding or realization of that damage that could be yet to come i know i can be hurt i i don't have an ego about that i that's why i learned how to fight is because i knew that i could be so therefore i wanted to try to mitigate that not again not just for myself but for for others around me um you know, so some something happened now. Like I'm not bulletproof. I don't necessarily know. Like, you know, I could get smacked in the head and drop like a stone. Fuck if I know. Like the doctors didn't know twenty years ago. But nevertheless, that's that's kinda neither here nor there. That's not the point. Um the point is A, there's strength in numbers. If you got a crowd, and when I say crowd, I, I don't know how many people are in this train car. I don't I don't believe the article stated specifically, but you know, you let's assume I think it's safe to say there's a minimum of four or five people there, at least I would say that we're witnessing this event from the sounds of it. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you have zero experience in anything, if there's five of you and there's one person that's doing this horrible thing right in front of you, like the five of you should be able to step in and just hold the fucker down until such time as law enforcement gets there. Like this doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to do a judo throw. You don't have to like fucking Bruce Lee, somebody it's, It's just about making the goddamn effort, yelling at it, making noise, like just letting them know that they cannot continue the current path unabated because most of the time when these fuckers are met with any kind of resistance, normally from my life experience, I can say that they will fold. If they don't, that's the risk that you have to take. Because if you don't, we don't have a fucking society that I personally want to fucking live
1: in. Well, then we shouldn't live in it because this is where we're going, Dave. So childhood is dead, Jason.
0: I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I sure did. Uh... It's Halloween. We're moving on quickly because we've been talking for a while and I just don't feel like talking about the subject anymore. Dozens, you know, where you can reach us with any feedback that you uh, have to say. Um, But uh, it was, it was Halloween recently. And uh, so therefore I got to thinking about horror movies. I actually saw, I'm not a big horror movie fan personally, but saw one recently, saw Halloween Kills. It's currently in theaters as well as on Peacock. Well, you know my thoughts on Peacock, Jason, so I uh, put a mask on and went into a movie theater uh, during the week when there was, like, no one there, so I was able to uh, to see it unabated. Of course, someone had their fucking phone out, like, on Instagram and shit almost immediately. It was just like, God, I fucking hate people, but that's neither here nor there. So, uh, horror films are interesting. I've, I've been in, let's see, I've been in several Um so I've had different experiences on the side of making them. Halloween is is the one that's currently in my mind most, because A, it's the holiday that just occurred, and then also it's the movie that is currently in theaters with one still to come. Um, also, I've always been fascinated, Jason, you and I just coincidentally were talking about this at the top of the show, about movies that kind of their forms were changed, or they in, ended up not getting made, or they got somehow usurped. Halloween is a fascinating series on that particular subject, where the existing chronology has like five different timelines in it, depending on which series of movies are acknowledging the other movies exist and which ones they're ignoring. And it's like Halloween and Terminator have two of the fucking most convoluted goddamn timelines. Um, In the current in the current storyline, meaning, and I'm not going to spoil Halloween Kills. I'm not going to spoil the current you know thing, but. Just for chronology, this current series of films uh, acknowledges the 1978 original, uh, directed by John Carpenter, ignores all the subsequent sequels after that until their own sequel in 2018, which they also named Halloween. <laughs> so this this part of the series is Halloween from 78, then Halloween from 2018, Hollywood, Halloween Kills, which is what's in theaters now, and then in another year there will be Halloween Ends because they did a, a series. Um, a lot of people, this, this particular film was very divisive. I, the last one in the series from 2018, I thought it was fabulous. I'm not even a big horror movie fan, but Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing in it. Like the performances across the board is well-written, not perfect, but I, it was a phenomenal film, um, that stacks up very well. I think it was a worthy sequel to the 78 original, uh, which is, you know, a classic film, whether you personally enjoy it or not. um, This one much more divisive. I don't think it was as good or well structured as the 2018 um, version. But it's clearly setting up things that, you know, right or wrong, it it hopefully will uh, resolve uh, in another year when Halloween ends comes out. So I personally enjoyed it. Very gory. The goriest of. The series, outside of maybe the Rob Zombie versions, there's another version where there's Rob Zombie's versions of Halloween's one and two that ignore everything else and they're their own isolated things. Those I've heard are fucking horrific. Talk about like graphic rape scenes and just all kinds of you know uh, bad people doing bad things kind of thing. Um, but in in this one, Halloween Kills is much more graphic with a lot more murder than. Halloween from 2018 and certainly from Halloween in 1978. Um, But I said, I enjoyed it. Um, I think they're doing some interesting things with the character of Michael Myers. I don't want to go too far into specifics on that. Halloween is probably the one I've been most interested in, uh, partially because there's been so many failed or altered attempts at making different versions of them. (laughs) Halloween 6 is one of the more infamous ones. There is a theatrical cut, and then there isn't a director's cut, Jason. There's a producer's cut. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know if you were aware of that. Um, Apparently, both are not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Is a producer's (laughs) cut
1: where they just try to make as much money as humanly fucking possible? Well,
0: no, that would be the theatrical cut. The, uh, (laughs) The producer's cut tested badly. So they basically, the Weinsteins were like, put more gore in it and cut all this shit out that has anything to do with the story from five. Like the producer's cut from six tried to take a bunch of stuff that made no sense in five and make sense of it for better or worse. Um, and the theatrical quote was like, fuck it, just get more murders and quick cuts in it. Yeah. And you know, uh, so, but that's a story for another day. We could do a whole thing on the story of Halloween six, but I find it kind of fascinating. So that's why the 2018 version was like, fuck it. We're going to ignore all of this and solely focus on the first Halloween and then our own, our own subsequent follow-throughs. Uh, Halloween two from 1981 was done by John, uh, written by John Carpenter. He kind of, he fully says he did that as a cash grab and was not overly thrilled with it. That set up a chronology where Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, are brother and sister. Um, That was followed with Halloween four. I'm ignoring Halloween three because that's a totally separate thing. I'm trying to keep this as easy to understand as possible. Uh, Halloween's four, five, and six followed that, that Laurie Strode and Michael Myers are brother and sister. And then Michael Myers' big motivation is trying to kill off his own family members. Um <clears throat> Halloween H2O was a reboot that brought J- Jamie Lee Curtis back to the series. They acknowledged the original Halloween from 78 and the sequel from 81 or 82 that also had them as siblings. Um this current incarnation ignores that, flat out says no they are not siblings at all and uh only and you know so it's there's a bunch of different timelines. I find all that kind of interesting just cuz it's <laughs> really unusual. Uh, Friday the 13th, I enjoyed several of them, but I never really got into them. I enjoy the video game. I find that's kind of fun. Um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I just haven't seen a lot of them, but anyway, that's a quick overview of just basic horror. The main three big horror franchises. Um, Jason, it's Halloween. I know you're not a big horror fan yourself, but just your thoughts on any of these that you have seen. You haven't seen, your thoughts, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, for horror film. I'm not the guy to talk to, honestly, because I've just never. It's never been a genre that I've I've gotten into. Um, <clears throat> I could tell you for a fact, though, that um, I was watching the um, when it came into the theaters. The um, I guess the reboot of it. You know. Oh yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I was ill impressed with that. I I remember as a child really liking it. The mini the Tim Curry, the, the Tim, Tim Curry, Curry Pennywise, yeah, and loving that fucking thing. I probably it was on. You know, we had it on VHS tape, and I would just watch it again and again and again. You got to remember this was made for TV. This wasn't like some rated R thing you saw in the theater. And I think it was done far better than the it like reboot that they did in the movie theater i think when you see the main villain horror thing too many times it takes away from it but but tim curry and that motherfucker and all the kids and then they grow up to be adults and you see the part two of the thing fantastic i think it's awesome even now if you watch it i think it's better um i remember as a kid really understand it like being scared of The Exorcist, the original Exorcist. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I think they're remaking that now, too, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I mean, but they've done they Exorcist 2, and they've done all sorts of shit, but the original one, I think, still fucking holds up. It gets funnier every time I see it. And then um, also, I think that um, just watching a lot of different Stephen King's. I remember uh, The Shining uh, with Stanley Kubrick's film and Jack Nicholson being in it just being phenomenal, but more because of. Stanley Kubrick's vision of that story when it was done later as a mini series on TV back in shit I think it was like ninety five ninety six ninety seven it was not good at all I didn't think it even held up to kubrick and the and the mini series was actually a lot more true to Stephen King's novel than than Kubrick's vision so um there's i it just never really worked on me none of the hard what's interesting.
0: What's interesting with The Shining is the there was a sequel that came out last year, a couple years ago, um, with Ewan McGregor, that's meant as a, a sequel to the Stanley Kubrick original, uh, called Doctor Sleep, that I've heard is great. That I've heard it actually is very good as a follow-up, and I'm not familiar with, with it. I haven't seen it. Um, I just know friends of mine that are very big into horror have really spoken highly of it mm-hmm. as a worthy follow-up. And I do think The Shining is an example of one that would be really fucking tough to follow up.
1: The the things that, you know, before we get off of it, the things that really did terrify me, because none of that shit ever did. A, I wasn't into it, and B, I was like, this is just stupid. And it just Freddy Krueger
0: was terrifying to me as a child. I know that. Yeah, no, the, the,
1: the shit that was really terrifying to me and still works to this day, it still gives me fucking chills, is um Unsolved Mysteries and um, any, like, crime thing that's unsolved. And And Unsolved Mysteries really was terrifying to me as a child of the 80s. It came out in the late 80s, like 87, 88, 89. And it wasn't just Robert Stack's visage and just who he was as a person that talked about it. It's the fact that they went into a very cinematic... Way of showing you the crime, the terror that was involved of either the missing person, the murder, the mystery, the whatever. And then it always ended with, and to this day, they've never been found. If you see him across the street, call 1 800 unsolved mystery. And you're like, what the fuck? I mean, it was always terrifying to think like, you just watched a movie where there's a bad guy that's murdered somebody. And by the way, they have no fucking clue where this guy is. Could you help them out? Help them out? Help me the fuck out. I'm not calling you. Call the cops. Get me some fucking bodyguards. It was always terrifying to me, Unsolved Mysteries. The new shit on Netflix, terrifying to me. Any of that. There's that BuzzFeed feed. Unsolved mysteries, crimes, whatever. Watching that shit is terrifying to me. All that stuff is absolutely scary as fuck to me because they do it in such a dramatic way. And then they're like, hmm? don't know where these fuckers are. Just goddamn scary as fuck. But all the like the slasher and the films and crazy shit. Nah, I never, never got into that stuff. Did you ever see um, the original Halloween from 1978? Yeah, I did. I, I probably saw it in the early '80s. Yeah, because I was going to say uh, uh, it was one ahead, of those blockbuster ahead. nights, you know, where you you get the uh, you get the tape cassette and get all your friends together, and yeah. Because
0: I was going to say that's really not a slasher. It kind of set up the slasher genre, ironically, but I mean, it kind of is, I guess, in the last act. But um, there's very little blood in it. It's very not gory at all, and. Um, it's one of those where it really kind of lets the audience's imagination really kind of create the the terror of it. I would suggest, Jason, actually, if you watched it now, I think as a you know as a cinephile, I think you might actually appreciate it more now than what you did possibly when you first watched it. I would recommend the seventy eight original um, to any dozens that are interested. The Halloween Kills, I think, is a mixed bag. That'll really depend on people's mileage as far as how interested they are in the you know, mythology of Michael Myers and all of that type of stuff. But the Halloween from 2018, um, I really strongly recommend it as a thriller. What makes me think of that is your, your mention about true crime, you know, shows like Unsolved Mysteries or whatever. The uh, If you watch, the, if they give a lot of stuff in the trailer. Don't watch the trailer for Halloween Kills because it basically gives away the entire movie. But um, the 2018 Halloween, it starts with, The idea that, again, at the end of the 78 original, that Michael Myers was apprehended that night and he has been in custody for the last 40 years or however long it's been. So there's two two crime podcasters that are like researching what happened that night and Michael Myers and the whole thing. So they go and visit him in the facilities being held in prior to him being transferred somewhere where it'd be harder for them to get access to him. Um, and then that kind of, you know, is, is the end and then they go and, and try to find Laurie Strode and, and you see where she is after all these years and all this stuff. Um, so that, that true crime element is actually kind of the in for the audience to this new version of the story. Um, so I actually think Jason, you might like that one as well. I don't know if you would go for Halloween kills as much, cause it's more gratuitously like cutting people's heads off violent, but, um, the twenty the, the seventy eight original and the twenty eighteen follow up, I think those are two really solid films. Whether or not you're a horror fan or not, so I do recommend to the dozens if you haven't seen those two, uh, by all means do so. And then if you really like the twenty eighteen version, you know maybe check out Halloween Kills either you know in theaters or on Peacock if you want to see how it's followed up. But just be aware that that's Halloween Kills is a very different movie.
1: Absolutely. Well, I will take that under consideration. That in Training Day.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, which means you'll never think of it again. I know exactly what that means, Jason. Uh, final subject of the week, because we're you know running long and we need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, John Moxley is one of the biggest names in pro wrestling right now. He's one of the biggest stars in AEW, which makes him one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling by default. Uh, he was Dean Ambrose in WWE for part of the Shield, for those that are, are not necessarily aware of what he's been up to now. Uh, he is married to Renee Paquette, who was Renee Young in WWE. They just recently had a ch- their first child. Um, you know, it seems like he had really, he has had everything going for him. You know, he's wrestling where he wants to wrestle, making good money, great relationship as far as we know with his wife. They just had a baby. Uh, John Moxley has announced he's going into inpatient, uh, treatment for alcohol, uh, addiction or alcohol, excessive alcohol usage. I don't know how specifically his dependency level is. Um, and so we wanted to touch on that. I think it's, it's, a certainly a brave thing to acknowledge, you know, especially we were in the position that he is with the public pressure, and, you know, he still was booked for events and had to do, was supposed to be in like this big match for a title tournament and AEW and all that. And to AEW's credit, they've fully supported him and have said, you know, we'll figure that out. Like we fully support him as much time as he needs. Um, so John Moxley's gone into re- rehabilitation. Um, I certainly think the pain, the physical pain that goes with pro wrestling, especially John Moxley's wrestling style where he's done a lot of death matches and a lot of broken glass and kind of things I would not necessarily consider good ideas, uh, that certainly may play into that type of substance dependency. Um, but I couldn't say that, you know, in his case specifically, but Jason, you and I want to talk about that briefly. First of all, again, mad respect to John Moxley for trying to take care of his health and his his family. And I really hope it works out well for him. I've always been a a fan of his work. Um, and it just seems like a good dude. So, you know, I, I want to, I hope he and his family do well. Um, but also just kind of the change in the the culture. Like, can you imagine, and I'm not saying that John Moxley's at the level of, of Stone Cold Steve Austin in the late nineties, because nobody currently is, but can you imagine if in the late nineties, all of a sudden Stone Cold Steve Austin went off the road and and off of television and went into rehab, you would never see it. You would never see it. And he probably should have.
1: Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. He probably it's specifically this human being you brought up probably should have yes, um yeah, it was just unheard of um it, it's It's really good that the culture in professional wrestling has changed to where now in twenty twenty one if you have an addiction of some sort alcohol drugs, porn, gambling, what have you uh that you can come out and the society' has changed We're like listen. I need to get this taken care of for my own health, for my family's sake, for my sake, for the fans, the company, the whole goddamn thing. You're going to have to take me out of the current lineup, the storyline, whatever the fuck we're doing. Because I think uh, wrestling has was always, in particular, uh, particularly in the 80s and 90s, uh, it was the show must go on. And I can't even imagine. Oh, any The of show the wrestlers. went the show went on after Owen Hart died in the ring. They just scraped him off the mat and put the next match in. I mean, Absolutely. I just think that, you know, if someone were to come out in the mid-80s and say, "Hey, you know, if if like, you know, fucking Hawk said I have a drinking problem, I need to go get this taken care of, they'd be like, yeah, well, join the club, we all do, welcome to the party, we've been waiting, get the fuck back on the road. So it's it's just one of those things where nobody even thought it was an option to stop. I really, the first time I heard about this in wrestling culture in a positive light, honestly, and, there's, and you know, Dave, You might know better than me if you pull something out where you're like, no, there was this incident that happened, but the very first time I can remember there even being talk behind the scenes that something was being done is, um, with, um, Kurt Angle. And this was the early 2000s and people were like, you know, it started to get out that there seemed to be a problem with Kurt and either alcohol or painkillers or something. And that, you know, And this was totally behind the scenes. It wasn't like you didn't get the kind of information you get now where people were like, he might need to go to a rehab facility. He might need to get this taken care of. And then as years went on and you got to know the relationship that was happening between Vince and Kurt Angle, Vince did offer that at some particular point. He did offer that and say, listen, you're too valuable to the fucking company. Can we get you some goddamn help? but then you come back in your full-time schedule and Kurt's like, no, that's the problem. I, I can go get help, but I can't ever come back to my full-time schedule. That's what's causing me the pain. That's causing me to drink and take shit tons of painkillers. And Vince wasn't fucking having it. So Kurt's like, well, I have to leave then. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I can't just go get fucking help and then come back to this grueling, insane schedule. After I broke my neck, like 18 fucking times, like, and they still sent him.
0: They still sent him into the ring um, to main event, WrestleMania 19, where, you know, if he landed wrong or they knew he was paralyzed solely, he was, he was functioning solely on high levels of pain pills. Um, They knew how fucked up he was and he was risking literally his life if he took a bad fall or, you know, and on top of the substance issues that was just keeping him running at that point, they still sent him out to the ring, which they never should have allowed. Um, And he had a great match.
1: But he did. But I mean, the thing is, does I it think matter? That I, and no, AEW uh, came out. You know, CM Punk went out there and said he was very proud of him and the audience was chanting Moxley's name, and that was really cool. And of course, he used the opportunity. Oh, to I didn't listen. know.
0: I actually didn't know about that. That's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, and of course, this is what CM Punk does very, very, very fucking well. He's he's great at at uh, you know standing up for a lot of causes in a very intelligent way. And of course, he's he's had a straight edge lifestyle his whole his whole life. No drugs, no alcohol, and you know he was he was snapped there going you know i am proud of of john moxley and we all should be and then use that opportunity also to say listen if you're watching at home if or if you're going through this right now please reach out to somebody don't be like me be hard-headed when you did need help and just keep doing your routine to get through your day stop and get help and get this fixed and that was a great thing for cm Punk to do it's what he CM Punk does these things very, very, very fucking well. And also, I the audience responded, and I think AEW did the right thing. But honestly, before I hand it back to you, Dave, I think that the reason it kind of got there in the 2000s is because society had changed so drastically to the point that just for optics, I'm just going to say it, just for fucking optics, uh Titan Tower, Vince the McManigans up there, They started to talk about this in the open. The wellness policy, the wellness programs. It was once Eddie Guerrero
0: healthy. It was once Eddie Guerrero died. That was the yeah.
1: And and I think that that was just purely for optics. I think that if Vince McMahon could have just put a battery in everyone and just kicked them in the asshole and kept the wrestlers going forever, he would have. Uh, He had to change due to due to societal standards in how you treat athletes and your workers when they're like i have a fucking problem asshole i think AEW, this this younger newer uh, company more enlightened hopefully with the uh, you know absolutes like you have a problem fuck the storyline fuck the show go get better you know and i and i think that's a great change uh that certainly this this culture of of getting help and getting fixed and getting sober this did not exist in the 80s and 90s at all
0: well let's also let's look at Hawk because Hawk legitimately had um, alcohol and substance uh, you know abuse issues. So Vince made a storyline on it, put him in the in, on camera and had him do a suicide angle. Like WWE has generations of just absolute fucking toxic culture behind it that is still there as long as Vince is. And his sycophants. Um, AEW, as a newer company, does not have that. So they actually, thus far, when they have been challenged, I will say, regardless of anyone's opinion on their creative or whether you think their matches are good or bad or whatever, you know, with Brody Lee's medical situation um, ultimately leading to his passing, AEW was incredibly classy throughout that entire situation. Still um, is. Still is. Um, which I think also actually brought credence to why Punk went there um and then i don't know what the situation the personal relationship is between cm punk and john moxley they've worked extensively together in the past in wwe but i don't know what their personal relationship is like i do know cm punk is good friends with renee paquette um so i know that there is a personal connection there um and but like same thing with with moxley having issues and and them supporting him like aew as far as a company culture goes thus far has appeared to be just light years ahead of the so-called industry leader in sports entertainment
1: absolutely so you know for for one day closer to dead for Dave and Jason we wish John Moxley nothing but the best and every single person out there you know I'm gonna pull a CM Punk here if you have these issues too, and you feel like the grind, you just have to keep going. Keep it to yourself. Hide that bottle of bourbon. By the way, I did that. You know, put it behind a bookcase shelf. You know, whatever you want to do, because you just want to keep getting through it and not really deal with it. You know, now's the time to stop. You're either going to do the work now. You'll do the work later. Stop now. Ask for help. Get it taken care of. You know, you're just wait. You're just wasting time. You're hurting yourself. And um, you know, we should always celebrate someone for saying you know, I need help. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. And that's our show.
0: Any final thoughts, Jason?
1: No, that's it, guys. I just want to say thank you very much. And uh, for all of you guys who contributed, you know, I hope uh, hope you didn't care. I beat the fuck out of you too much tonight. But uh, thank you very much, everybody who sends us all these articles, all these things we can talk about, all your feedback. And we love the fact that, uh, you know, we're very synergistic. We feed off each other. Thanks for going down this journey with us. We certainly do appreciate each and every one of you. So for the dozens and dozens of listeners out there, I am Dave Baudry. And I am still your Jason Bailey. And we are
0: one day closer to dead, one hell of an episode. But that day is not, it will not be today. So until next week.